Well, today we are going to be wrapping up our series that we've been doing on the armor of God. And the reason uh, God talks about the armor of God is because he knows, and he knows personally. This is the awesome thing about we do not serve a God who is just some nebulous entity power out there. It's not just the force uh, that is there, but we serve a God who came, who chose to come uh, as a baby and grew up in the flesh, so he knows what life is about. He knows that life is a battle, that we battle so many different things, emotional, physical, relational. Um, in every area of life, it seems like we are attacked, um, that we live in a broken world, that, that even in the successes and accomplishments that we have, that, that they end up sometimes leading us uh, to uh, trips and falls and, and things that hurt themselves. So um, he cares about us. And uh, the whole reason that he came was to lift us out of that, to bring redemption. And, and that is what redemption is all about, uh, that, that it is through Jesus um, and it is only through Jesus. It is not through ourself. It is not through a self-help. If you'll just be better, I'm gonna, just going to show you the way. He didn't come just to show us the way. He came to make the way because um, he is the only one that could break the, the, the hold that our own uh, brokenness has upon us. And so we find in the book of Ephesians that he has shared this with us, that there are some resources that he has given us uh, to help us make it through this battle of life. And uh, he has given us these things that we have been looking at over the last six or seven weeks. And so we're going to finish that uh, today. So let's look at our uh, text that we've been reading and, and what uh, he has been sharing with us. In Ephesians chapter 6, he starts out, in this way, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And simply what he's saying is there, we're not fighting against one another. We are fighting against the brokenness of our own spirit. It is, it is the, the spiritual downfall that we struggle with. It's our own weaknesses um, that we are struggling And we're all in the same boat. And, and so even those that hurt us, even those that are coming against us, it's not because of them that we're fighting against. It's the struggles that they are dealing with that is causing them to respond in the same way that we respond in those ways um, because we all become people that have hurt others. Um, so we need to understand our struggle is not against other people. It's not against the government. It's not against our president. Um, uh, it's not against our, our Congress. It's not about the... All of those things are just the outward effects of what's going on within all of us. Um, it is uh, those things that we really, those are the real sources of our problems. So he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So stand, therefore, 
having fastened on the belt of truth. And we talked about that, that the truth is we need to decide what is the truth of our life. And it's not that we need to decide. It's not that everyone gets to decide their own truth. We need to come to the realization of what the truth is, um, that there is an absolute truth. And, and that's the problem of the brokenness is probably the reason we're broken is because everyone has chosen their own truth. That is the problem. When, whereas uh, we know through science and through archaeology, through, through all the different uh, studies that there is truth. Things work a certain way. They don't, uh, you know, it's like gravity. There, there is no uh, uh, opposite that is at work. Gravity works, and it works the same way all the time, everywhere. Uh, that is the reason why we are able to do some amazing things throughout space and throughout uh, science is because that gravity never changes. If it was up and down... Man, we would never know how to make certain things because sometimes it would work, sometimes it doesn't. And it's the same way with every area of life. There is truth that is the same everywhere. And we know that that truth is Jesus. And I know they don't like this statement that Jesus made, but Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way because he is the creator of everything. He made it all, and so he knows how it works, and it is through him that we find truth. So truth, the belt of truth, is what pulls our life together. It's like building our house on a foundation. Uh, if it is not steady, it is at some point in time, it's going to shift. It's going to fall. Whereas Jesus said, if you'll put the belt of truth on, if I will become your truth, it will hold everything together. It holds our pants up. It holds everything together that we're not ashamed, that we find security. So put on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, we guard our heart by living right. Um, when we live right, um, we are protected uh, from the consequences that we face. And this breastplate of righteousness, we saw that it is not just about us, it is not our righteousness, because we've all, we blow it. I mean, we all know this. I mean, I don't, sometimes we put on a good air that, that we try and be good, and, but we all know that we have done stupid things. That whenever we try and be good, at some point in time, we're going to say something that we're ashamed of, that we regret. Um, we all blow it. We all hurt people. We all hurt the people we love. Um, we all make dis, uh, choices that hurt ourselves. We even hurt ourselves so many times. And so the righteousness that he's talking about, again, is the righteousness of Christ. That Jesus came and lived a righteous life that we might be able to stand before God and say, God, in Christ, I pray that you will protect me, that you will guard my heart, that you will guard my life, and that as we daily walk and follow Jesus, even in our imperfectness, it is in that, that decision to follow him. It is in that trusting him to pick us up when we stumble. It is in knowing that God is our Father, that we just as little children when we fall on our bikes and we fall on our skateboards, that God is there to pick me up. When I trust God to pick me up and to train me uh, to do better, that Jesus is my righteousness. Um, and so we put on that breastplate of righteousness. And then he said, and as for shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, we talked about this, that, that the shoes of readiness is that God says you need to be ready because we're going to have things in life that just catch us off guard. 
How many know things happen and it, it stuns us uh, and we lose our balance? And in any fight, when you lose your balance, you're dead. Once you lose your balance, the enemy has you. Um, uh, and, and so God says you need to be ready. You need to be ready for the things that happen in life that are going to hurt. But the way you're ready, and this is how you're ready, is to know the peace of God. In other words, if you have the peace of God, if you know that God is for you, if you know that God has paid the price for you, if you've accepted him as, as your purpose in life, then there's a peace. It doesn't mean nothing's going to happen. You're going to be hit, but I have peace knowing that God's going to get me through. And when I stand upon that peace that God has, then even though those things happen, I am standing firm. I'm ready for them because I know they're going to happen, but I just trust God. I don't let them knock me off balance. I don't get lost in all the hurt and the shame and why is this happening? And yet without Christ, many times we can find ourselves in that position. But Jesus wants us to know the readiness of his peace, to know the peace of God that passes all understanding. And in so doing, if we begin to align our life with that, we find readiness. We find the ability to stand strong even when we are hurt badly because God is there holding us. And his peace becomes the shoes that keep us strong. He goes on and says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We know that the shield uh, was the shield of faith. Now, it is not a shield of if you just believe strong enough. If you have enough faith, then your faith protects you from from everything that happens to you. Uh, what we talked about is the faith is what connects us to the true shield, which is God. God is our shield. Um, and it is when we have faith in God, which is just a trust. Faith is simply a trust and, and a reliance that, God, you're going to be my shield. Um, sometimes there's things that come my way that I can't, I can't do anything about, and I need God to shield me. And so I put my faith in him. But unless we put our trust in him, then there's always going to be something that finds its way uh, through the armor uh, into our heart and begins to bleed us and begins uh, to make it slow path of destruction. And so we need to put our trust and that becomes a faith that shields us uh, from the things that would sneakily come in uh, to our life. He goes on and says, take the helmet of salvation. In other words, here's the other area. We need our mind. How many know that uh, part of our problems and part of the things that we struggle with is thoughts? Thoughts of depression, thoughts of desperation, thoughts of frustration, thoughts of jealousy and envy and, and all of those things that just undermine us. And, and they, they do not work for our good, but they lead us down paths of, of self-destruction. Uh, and so God said, put on the helmet of salvation. Understand that I died for you. And, and so that you can take every thought and everything that begins to come into your mind, and you can begin to understand that, yes, I, I'm struggling with this thought, but I know that Jesus paid the price for those things. That he died on the cross that my, I might have a new mind that I might be regenerated, that I might have a new life. Jesus said, I'm dying that if you will uh, begin to put your, your trust in me, 
that you can be born again. We can have a new mind. We can have the mind of Christ, um, which doesn't mean we never suffer, but we have a purpose. We have a uh, understanding that we will make it through those things. And so the helmet of salvation, to know that I am saved, to know that God accepts me, to know that God has made a way for me, that is the helmet of salvation that begins to ease those thoughts that eat at us in the middle of the night when no one is there. But if we begin to call on the name of Jesus, if when we begin to surrender to him, he gets us through it. He takes our hand and walks through uh, the darkness with us. And we take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I, I think uh, Aaron, uh, uh, for, for helping us last week as we looked at the sword, uh, the only offensive we weapon, that God has given us. He's given us the word of God to come against the enemies of our heart, to come against uh, those things that uh, would pierce us. And we can actually take the word of God and move forward, um, not only for ourselves but for one another, and use the word. Jesus himself, when he was tempted, used the word of God as his defense uh, to parry the blows, to attack the enemy. And so we have been given a great sword of the word of God. If we will begin to, and like any sword, a sword is something you don't just wear. You got to learn how to use it. If you don't learn to use the sword, you can end up cutting off your own hand. How many know that a sword is a dangerous thing, even in our own? That's why you don't give, you know, a little baby a, a knife or a sword. So God says to begin to study the word. Learn how to use the word. That means we need to spend time and practice and practice um, what is the word saying and what does that really mean? And that's why we come together so that this is part of the studying of the word to learn how to use what God has told us. And that brings us to today. Um, and this is where we close. And he ends it all up with this verse. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. And so all of these things that we've talked about are wrapped up in this thing called prayer. So what is prayer? Prayer is not one of the resources that he's given us as armor or the shield or the sword, but what prayer is, prayer is kind of if you look at all of these things as, as a whole uh, uh, defense mechanism, prayer is the operating system, okay? It, it's like all of these things make up the computer that run the defense of your life, but they have to run on prayer. So prayer is what brings all of these things together. Prayer is the training. Prayer is the thing that uh, uh, makes it all run together. And so really, it's kind of the key to all of this it is until we understand and, and put prayer into our life, we're kind of like one of those statues that you see in a castle of all the armor. Uh, well, that thing is not going to do anything uh, until you put something living inside of it. Well, the something living that we need to put in our stuff is to begin to live in a life uh, role of prayer. And, and so it says, um, after all of these things, to be always praying. 
um, begin to operate in prayer. So I want to look at quickly just what are four aspects of prayer that he's talking about. Um, and, and he kind of mentions them in that one verse that we just read. There are four parts of prayer that will begin to activate our life, uh, begin to turn on this defense system so that it runs smoothly. Uh, prayer is kind of like the oil in your engine. Um, uh, you can turn it on, but without oil pretty quick, it's going to seize up. Um, but the oil keeps it moving the whole time. Um, it is uh, what keeps it flowing and operating. The first thing we see in prayer is that it's in the spirit. The verse said, uh, praying at all times in the spirit. Prayer is not a physical thing. It is not a ritual. It is not something that we can just say the words and we're covered, kind of like some magical incantation. What he's saying is, Prayer is something that's part of your inner being. Prayer is something not just in the Holy Spirit, but in our spirit, that it is something that we need to embrace uh, within our life um, that we begin to live in a constant connection with God. Uh, basically, it's the same thing that we would do in any relationship. Prayer is that connection that we have with one another, with that loved one. Prayer is that form of communication. It's not always verbal. Um, it's not always uh, 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 said out loud, but it is that connection that we have with one another. We begin to know one another. We begin to read one another. We begin to open up to another. We begin to have a, a uh, purpose that I do not do this alone. We are in this together. Um, a true, strong relationship has that connection. Now, I know we have a lot of relationships that don't have that connection, and, and they struggle. And it's the same with us and God. Many of us, we don't have that connection with God. We go through the motion of prayer, but it is when we begin to say, God, I'm in it with you, good or bad. God, you're, you're going to be the leader of my, my life whether I like it or not, when we begin to walk down that road of working out this relationship and understand that, God, you are there with me in every area of my life, when we bring God into every area of our life and begin to connect to him, that's what prayer is, in the spirit. So it is in the spirit of prayer, it is in the innermost connection with God um, that we begin to understand what prayer is. Now, if we keep God at, at hand's distance, as he's just kind of something up there that we kind of say prayers to, if he is just some force out there, he's not something intimate to me. He, is not, he does not become a personal, relational uh, person in my life, then it is not in the spirit. It's in the flesh. It's, it's in the religion of it. And God never calls us to religion. He wants to be a part of our life. He wants to be that father he wants to be that, that husband, that bride to us, to where we are connected um, in everything. And so um, it is only when we connect to God in our spirit and we let his spirit connect to us. See, that's the other part. It's one thing that we become intimate, but understand that whenever we have an intimate relationship with someone, we've got to allow them to have part of our life. Um, it is a two-way street and yet many of us we we want everything that god offers 
but we don't allow our life uh, to be an offering to him. And any relationship on that basis will never be fulfilling. Even if it works, some people live in a marriage for 60 years, and yet they've never experienced that fullness uh, that we have an opportunity to experience. This is what Romans says about it. It says, likewise, the Spirit, and in this case, the Holy Spirit, helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep even for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit uh, intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we begin to pray in the Spirit, when we begin to let God come into our life and we begin to let him speak to us, it says his Spirit begins to pray for us. If we will allow him into our life, he'll even protect us. It says that the Spirit of God will come in alongside of us and pray with us and lead us into areas that we could not have found on our own. It says he will pray over us and pray through us in ways that words can't even explain. And when we begin to, and this is where it takes submission, that when we allow the Spirit of God into our heart, and we begin to allow him to have access to our life. And that means the ability to say no to us. This is the part which sometimes we don't like about God. I want you, God, but I don't want you to have the author to tell me no. You don't tell me no. You don't tell me how to live my life. Until we allow God to tell us how to live our life, we will never experience the fullness of life. You may experience the joys in this flesh, but they do not compare to what true life is that God has for us. And so the Spirit knows, in other words, He knows what's best for us. Um, but yet many times, what He tells us is best, we don't want. We're like kids. Don't tell me, you know, you need to come in, it's getting late, you need to come in, we got school tomorrow, you need to get in bed. You don't know what I like, I wanna stay up and watch the show, I wanna do this, how many, we even do that as adults. Don't tell me, what, and yet, how many know the next morning we're like this, oh, when they wake us up, the alarm clock comes up, the, the office is calling, oh, you're not at work today, where are you? How many know, oh, it would have been better if I would have gone back. We, God knows what's best if we will allow him to have that place in our life, um, but we are stubborn and we just want what we want, but if we will pray in the spirit, which means opening yourself up to the Spirit to let God speak to us. Sometimes we think of prayer just me speaking to Him, but it's Him speaking to us. We find a, a relationship begins to develop, that I live within that give and take of speaking to God and Him speaking to me in my spirit, not just in, in routine ways, but in the core of who I am. Well, it's not just in the Spirit, but it says watchfully, uh, we are to pray being alert. It said, to this end, we need to be alert. We need to pray understanding that, that God, I am always facing uh, attacks. Uh, many times we don't even realize it because we just go through life and we only respond to what happens. And yet, if we would have been aware, man, if I do this, I'm opening myself up to some things that are gonna happen. God says, if you will pray and live in a, 
in a connection with me where you are alert, that you are watchful. That's the only way I can defend you. Um, that if we begin to um, be aware of some of the things that, that our own brokenness and the enemy wants to pull us into, um, we can avoid those things. Too many times we don't avoid things until after the fact, and then we come to God in prayer saying, help save me. When God is saying, would you start praying ahead of time so that we can even avoid those things? This is uh, uh, what First Peter says. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We need to live our life with our eyes open. Wake up and stop just living day by day, whatever, not even thinking about it. Let's be aware. Be alert. Um, I, I know we don't always want to do that. We want to just be happy, go lucky. But we need to start living aware of what we're doing. Um, Jesus told his disciples this. We know this was in the garden before he was crucified. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. We talked about being connected in our spirit. We want what God wants, but the flesh is weak. So therefore, we need to spend time in prayer. God, make me aware of bad choices. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Uh, God, help me to be aware and watchful in my prayer. Um, so that he can protect us. So when we begin to live in prayer uh, every day, in every area, uh, God is able to do that. Well, not only that, but the third thing is all-encompassing. It said praying at all times. Now, how do we pray at all times? We're constantly getting on our knees and praying. Remember, this is the thing. We need to understand that prayer is not just words we say. Prayer is an ongoing, constant relationship with God. Um, just like we have with our friends, just like we have with our family. Um, there is a nonstop communication. I mean, we can tell we come in and say, okay, that's going to be a bad day. What's wrong? We could just tell by the way they were sitting, right? Um, we need to have this with God all the time um, so that God is all in coming. Prayer happens in every area of my life. So prayer happens when I'm happy. God, I'm so happy. We bring God into those times of rejoicing and celebration. Um, that God is part of my life, that as soon as I'm sick and tired, it just becomes natural that I say, God, I don't feel good. God, help me. Um, when we have relationships and we don't know what to do because she just works in a way that I can't understand. I'm sorry. I guess we guys maybe work differently for you girls too. That in those instances, God just is automatic. I'm saying, God, give me wisdom because I don't know how to treat her. And so God just becomes an all-encompassing prayer that it's just happening all the time. It's not a formal uh, prayer that we say, but we just bring God into our life when I'm making a decision. Man, should I do this? Maybe I need to stop and say, God, you know, this is a pretty important uh, decision in life. He becomes automatically just part of that, that decision. That is what it means to be always praying. It is just a constant invitation of God to walk with me and be a part of my life, and to understand that he is already there. Uh, and, and so through every aspect of life, when I begin to live with God there, prayer activates all the other defenses in my life. Um, it gets me through the battle of this life. Um, it gets me through the ups and the downs and through the celebrations. Um, this last uh, uh, weekend, uh, I celebrated finishing the, the 
Las Vegas uh, marathon that I ran, and it was a great time, and I enjoyed it. And, and you know what? Even in those moments, we can feel the presence of God smiling with us because God wants to rejoice with us just as much as he wants to be there when we're hurting. Sometimes we only bring God into it when I need something, and yet we need to begin to celebrate God even in our, our uh, uh, times of joy and accomplishment. Of course, we know that famous verse that says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. And again, it's not talking about our speaking in prayer or even a, a mental prayer, but it's just a constant, God, you're with me. And I love it that you're with me because you are the lover of my soul. And so I bring you into all of my life and it makes all of my life more purposeful. I don't miss out anything. People say, oh, you miss out being a Christian. I have to give up this. I have to give this. You know what? Anything I have to give up as a Christian is probably for my best anyway. And I enjoy life all the more. Um, anything that he asked me to give up, I trust that it was for my good. And I know that's hard sometimes because, again, we don't like anyone to tell us what we need to do. Um, and yet when we do that in everything, God touches us. Last one, the source of prayer. And uh, we're going to close with this, and this brings us right into this week. I believe that when you look through the Word of God, all prayer comes out of one thing. Um, uh, the, the spirit connection with God, the alertness, the watching uh, that we are doing, the all-encompassing bringing God into our life comes out of one thing. You cannot do all, any of those things unless we have a foundation of thanks, of thanksgiving. You see, every prayer comes out of a knowledge of thanksgiving. The only reason, the only reason we have to connect to God is because of what he does for us. You see, this is not just a choice. He's, this is not just one way that, oh, and it might be better than others. God's not trying to say, hey, he's not an advertising saying, try me out. I'll be better than you than the other one. No, when we begin to understand the value of who God is, that, that it's, it's, it's either life or death. It's not a good, a better, and a best God is the only way. He says, I am the way of the truth. When you come to me, you find life. And it, that is what thanksgiving is. And I think this is what we need to understand of what true thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not just being thankful for things that have happened to us. That's a very selfish way. And yet, many times, that's all we do at Thanksgiving. Well, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And so everyone says, you know, oh, I'm thankful for baseball. I'm thankful for my dad, or I'm thankful for, you know, and they're all good things, but what are they really? They're things that I enjoy. They're things that I have uh, liked. And, and so it becomes a very selfish time. Even though you're being thankful, how many are you not just expressing things that you have enjoyed, things that have benefited you? The only reason you're thankful is because it benefited me, right? And so I'm thankful for it. Um, uh, even if it's a bad thing. Sometimes we're, man, I'm thankful for that one accident because if it wasn't for that accident, I wouldn't have met this person. I wouldn't have done, but it, see, it all goes back to what happens to us. Whereas true thanksgiving, when you are truly thankful, it is when you value something. Something has become valuable in itself and, and it is out of that treasure that thanksgiving flows. I, I am able to truly be thankful 
uh, when, only when I treasure something and value something. Otherwise, it becomes very superficial. If you don't value your spouse, you may be thankful for things that they do for you, but without a valuing, then that thankfulness is very temporary. It's very, how many know that you, the other person can read through that too? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're so thankful, but I don't mean anything to you. It's the same thing with God. When we are truly thankful, it's not about thank God that you do this for me, that you did this. It is simply, I just treasure you. Um, and when we begin to pray that way, we begin to find a depth of prayer. Um, and we see this throughout the word of God. Quickly, I'm gonna just go through many verses that you'll see that prayer and thanksgiving go together. In 1 Thessalonians, again, where we just read, it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is the thanksgiving, the treasuring of God that, that God desires because he wants to be special to us. Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't just pray to God, but let that prayer come out of a thankful heart, a treasuring of who he is. In Colossians, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let our prayer be out of the foundation of thanksgiving. Colossians Chapter 1, and throughout all of his books, he says this over and over. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. When we pray, thanksgiving is what comes to our heart. 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. And I love this example in the Old Testament. You might say those are all New Testament things. This is an example of Daniel. Right before he got thrown in the lion's den, remember the reason he got thrown in the lion's den? Because his enemies made up a bogus law that anyone that prayed uh, would get thrown in the lion's den because they knew that he prayed all the time. And so it says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, look what he did. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber and he opened them toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before God, just as he had done previously. Nothing changed. Even though he knew that he was going to get arrested for this, he prayed and gave thanks. Why did he do that? Because God was more valuable than anything he was going to lose. He was going to lose his freedom, possibly his life. And yet, prayer was not, oh, God, save me. Prayer was thanks, God. No matter what happens to me, God, you are good. And so thanksgiving became a flow of prayer from his heart. As we pray, are our prayers coming from our own benefit? God, help me. God, give me this. God, do this. Or do we begin to pray, God, you are part of my life because I love you. And this is what I'm going through, God. So prayer is just, I'm just sharing. I, I don't know what you can do, but God, I, I love you anyway. That is what prayer is. It is out of thanksgiving, and thanksgiving is out of treasure. The Bible tells us this, for where your treasure is, there's your heart. It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure. The treasure comes first. 
Because sometimes our heart takes a while. Love and feelings take a while. But if we will choose God, sometimes you may not love God, and sometimes it may be confusing, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to choose God no matter what. Our heart will follow. Because where your treasure is, your heart will come along. When you choose to treasure something, you may not love it at first, but give it time. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so as we begin a lifestyle of prayer, will we begin to grow that out of thanksgiving? So this week as we celebrate thanksgiving, I'm going to ask you, don't be thankful for what has happened to you. I want you to ask, what do you truly treasure? What is the treasure of your life? Not what are you thankful for on the superficial side, but can we begin to treasure God in such a way that, that a life of prayer just flows out of that because God is with me. No matter the struggle, no matter the, the valley I'm going through, I'm going to be thankful for God. And out of that, a connection will be made and, and a prayer life will grow. Let's bow our heads.